hamster with a blunt penknife would do it quicker. Welcome back to A Hamster with a Blunt Penknife, the Doctor Who commentary podcast. I am your host, Jim Allenby, and today I'm talking with Mr. Joe Ford. How are you, Joe? Hi, I'm very excited to be a guest here on Jim Allenby Presents. And what a sexy intro that was as well. <laughs> I can do sexy voices from time to time. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll believe you now. <laughs> <laughs> Well, it's wonderful to be here. Thank you for having me. Oh, welcome. It's, uh, it's nice to have you on board. Mm. So uh, what story are we going to be watching today? Well, you know, I thought coming on to your podcast that you were going to say, Joe, I'm going to direct you to a fantastic season of Doctor Who and watch an absolute oh. highlight. And then you said, Joe, you're going to watch something from series seven of the new series. <laughs> I'm going to, uh, yeah, I'm going to ask you to find a little gem in a otherwise season full of rocks do you think it's all worthless apart from this no no, no it's no. not it's not um and it's one of those seasons uh series sorry um and i will you know i, I will discuss probably um as we go um about the era in general um but I think it's unfortunate that this series is was split in half. Um, mm. I, I remember at the time a lot of people uh, discussing discussing it on certain forums um, about how this is unacceptable. This this should be the the anniversary year, and we should be getting a full series of Doctor Who. And you know, um, and uh, I I didn't agree with that, but I I wasn't keen on them splitting the series up. Um, as it is, it kind of works because it feels very different from, mm-hmm. you know, part two feels very different from part one of series seven. Um, and then you've got uh, this a lovely little story in the middle of it all, uh, which is called The Snowmen, um, which was the Christmas special. Do you think, I think it it damages series six, the split seasons far more. Series six is like a, it's trying to tell a cohesive story. That sort mm-hmm. of river song story. Yeah. And splitting it in two means it loses any sense of momentum or in, uh, impetus. Yes. And you come back with a river song story, then you have all these standalones and then you have the river song finale. And it's just, yeah. whereas yeah. here you've got um, Amy and Rory's sort of protracted, departure story mm-hmm. with a little cameo from jenna coleman in asylum for the daleks then yes. this bridging the two with the new tardis set and new companion yes and then obviously the clara arc in the second half of the season yeah it, kind of, it works a bit better i think it works better it does work better um do you can't do you consider this part of series seven i don't believe that production wise they consider it's part of series seven or do you consider it a Christmas special shoved in the middle of it all. Oh, I consider this part of series seven. It's such yes. a vital part of mm-hmm. the year. I it think. is, yeah. Can I let you into a little secret? Yeah, of course. That I've dropped on another podcast, but will not make me popular around these parts. Um, but I actually think series seven A, in particular, Dinosaurs on a Spaceship, The Power Three, A Town Called Mercy, and Angels Take Manhattan, and The Snowmen, which I'm lumping in with that. That might be my favourite run of Moffat episodes. Really? And then it's Series 7B where I think it doesn't just come off the rails. Mm-hmm. We 
it plummets down a mountain. It does, yeah. Are we are we talking Matt Smith era or are we talking the entirety of the Moffat era? In successive episodes that I read, right, okay. it's mm-hmm. the Moffat era. Yeah. I think um, there there's like series eight is probably my favourite Moffat season. And I get that's not a popular opinion. Uh, and I think there are stronger episodes dotted about, but sort of in a row, Mm-hmm. I think that's that's five episodes in a row, and nowhere else in Moffat's time do you get five. So by the time the snowman hit, and I really liked it, I was like, "We're on a roll yeah. here! What? The- yeah. Bring on series seven B!" <laughs> <laughs> I re- yeah. I remember. I mean, yeah, I'm I'm <clears throat> you know on on board with you that it, it, it's part of series seven. It is part of series seven. You can't watch it. You can't miss it. Uh, I remember watching um, UK Gold, or it might have been after UK Gold became whatever it became watch or w or whatever and they were doing they were showing doctor who um or new who from the start um mm. except they weren't showing the specials the christmas specials oh, and they really? showed series seven and skipped the snowmen so it went straight from uh angels take manhattan to the bells of saint john and i was like what the hell are you playing at it's it's an integral part of the of the ongoing storyline you know you you could probably cut the other specials out, maybe. Um, but but this is an integral part of the of the series, and it's it's needed. It must have been very disappointing, you know, for anyone who wondered where David Tennant went in that Christmas special. <laughs> <That's> like, <laughs> one minute he was on Bowie base saying his time Lord victorious. The next minute he's Matt Smith. <laughs> yeah, I, I believe they jumped from the parting of the ways to new earth skipped oh, christmas God. invasion like what about the fantasy of these broadcasts <laughs> don't you like, obviously they're not fans <laughs> no <laughs> you get what you're given all right <laughs> so, yeah it's um yeah i uh, when i first watched it i um i really enjoyed it um but at the time i was swept up in the hole um matt smith era anyway um it was for me it was at the time i it was the best doctor who had ever been um i was uh i was i don't say i was happy when tenant went but I, I kind of had enough of him by the time that he did go um and i was blown away by matt smith um series five was fantastic i liked the cinematic quality of series six um and it kind of continued into series seven, and um, I enjoyed it. I in, I enjoyed these entire run. Um, um, it's only- you don't have to say that in an apologetic way, you know? <laughs> just because you're looking at me. You are allowed to enjoy this era, <laughs> <laughs> and I still do. Um, however, um, as time has gone on, it's I enjoy it less and less each time I watch it. Why is um, that? It's hard to pin it down. Um, there are certain things that crop up in it. Um, I think. I mean, I've been I've I've been um, watching some Russell T stuff uh, with a with a friend who's never watched Doctor Who before, mm-hmm. and um, we're going through it very slowly. We've only just finished series one, um, and we've watched the Christmas Invasion, and seeing it through her eyes um it's it's she enjoys it immensely and it, it it i can see that it appeals to somebody who's a non-fan um and i 
I think that what happened when Moffat took over is um, Doctor Who, when it came back, written by Russell, it was written for a family audience. But I think when it changed hands to Moffat, it became it was written for more sci-fi fans. It was written for fans. Yeah, I agree. And I think that it's going to be interesting when we when we do get to that point where we switch from Tennant to, to Matt Smith as, as to what she thinks to that. Um, but I do feel like it, it, I think it was a big misstep. Um, I feel it, um, it lost its way by doing that. I've heard the argument that um, Rusty Davis is writing fantastic television mm. and Stephen Moffat is writing fantastic Doctor Who. So he's Rusty Davis is gearing his television at a populist audience mm-hmm. at everybody, the whole family, and and everybody. You like mm-hmm. Big Brother? Well, watch this. We've got Big Brother in it. You know? Yeah. You want songs? Mm-hmm. Fine. We'll do one every Christmas. Yeah. Um, and then Moffat comes in, and I think he's really appealing to Doctor Who fans. Come sort of hell bent when we're doing whole episodes on Gallifrey. Mm-hmm. And, you know, down in the Matrix and all this. Like, what the fuck is a member of the general audience going to think of that? Like, yeah. what is all this? You know? <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, it's Heaven Sense is one of my all-time favourite Doctor Who stories. It's probably right up there at the top. Um, often between that and The Curse of Fenric, I can't decide which is my favourite Doctor Who story between those two. However, I could not imagine... Uh, sitting down with my mum to watch Heaven Sent. Oh, she'd be like, well, why is this like <laughs> just wandering around this castle for an hour? This exactly. is boring. Yeah. <laughs> but I could easily imagine her sitting down with me to watch Tooth and Claw. Or, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah, Queen, Queen Victoria and a werewolf running around the house. Amazing. Yeah. <laughs> and, I, and I kind of, you know, and I I, I think that, um, and I, I just have to say that I am a, I'm a huge uh, Chibnall fan, a Jodie fan. It's got you know I've got my reservations over a few a few things, but I'm a, I'm a massive fan of that era, um, and I think I do feel like Chris Chibnall tried to recapture that a little bit, appealing to yeah. to the family audience a little bit more uh, before he kind of just threw that out and and went a little bit more towards writing for Doctor Who fans again, which I have still absolutely loved. Um, so it'd be interesting to see. I'm I'm hoping Russell goes back to that format of writing for uh writing for families again and writing for the general public as much as certain sections of Doctor Who fans don't want that. You know, I've I'm not gonna say I've had the reverse journey with Stephen Moffat, because that is still my least favourite era of the new series. Mm-hmm. Matt Smith is still my least favourite doctor. Mm-hmm. Um and I do think there are an incredible amount of missteps along the way but i through doing hamster i've had a lot of people come on and sort of tell me where i'm going wrong and explaining what they do love about it mm-hmm. and episodes that i've written off before like deep breath and things like that i found sort of a renewed appreciation for if it's not always for me then I kind of understand yeah. why it's why it's for other people. Yeah. And I also think as well, you it's weird. When a showrunner goes out and a new one comes in, yeah, mm. give it a little time. If they were things you didn't like about that previous showrunner, 
when the new stuff's coming out, suddenly you start appreciating things from the old showrunner mm -hmm. that perhaps you were going, oh, we're doing this again. Yeah. Like, so mm -hmm. some of that sort of labyrinthine plotting, the the crazy amount of ideas that Moffat has, um, some of the wittier lines that he throws in, even some of the character stuff, which I don't think I was seeing at the time, are, I'm seeing a lot more of now. Mm -hmm. So, but I do think this was the period where he struggled the most like he he says during series seven i was off the boil i was mm -hmm. doing sherlock at the same time and i couldn't give either show the love yeah. they deserved and you can't mm -hmm. you can't run two massive shows like that no you can't. you're primarily writing yeah you can you can tell as well you know it kind of feels very thin um some of the storylines i mean i you know i was thinking about this the other day and the storyline for this is really basic, really. It's it more is, character. Yeah. And it, it, because while I was watching, I was thinking, what actually is the storyline? Because I'm just watching, uh, you know, and I enjoy the story, but I, I, was, I was just thinking, I'm just watching set pieces and character things here. You know, oh, Stephen Moffat's Doctor Who, you know. No, no, and I agree. And I was like, I got to the end and I'm like, okay, so the whole great intelligence thing, it wasn't really, was it going somewhere? Like, did it go mm. somewhere? And I know they're sort of, they head off into, what's it, the uh, name of the Doctor? No. It's the name of the Doctor? They're, when they're back? Yeah. No, no, he's back in Bells of St. John, isn't he? The Great oh, Intelligence. Oh, of course. Yeah, it yeah. begins the, the season, doesn't it? Yeah. And it tries to do the same thing again, because in this you've got Simeon as a, as a young man meeting the Great Intelligence, and then they do that bit at the end where he's almost sort of regressing. But then they do it again with Celia Emery in the next episode, Oh, I mm -hmm. think that's even more effective. Yeah. She's a better actress. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, um, with the snowmen, on atmosphere alone, I think this is gold. Oh, yeah. And if there's one thing that Moffat does better than any of the other showrunners, it's Christmas. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. he, he gets the tone of Christmas. He gets the ambience of Christmas. Yeah. And even though he can overdo it terribly in stuff like Doctor the Widow and the Wardrobe, he kind of gets what gets what it's about, family and being together. When he gets it right, mm -hmm. I think it's absolutely brilliant. Now, some people will say that's Christmas Carol. I'll say mm -hmm. it's this and Last Christmas, which are my two favourites. Yeah. Uh, for, yeah, I, I would say uh, Christmas Carol and last christmas for me would be my favorites but this is a close this is three out of you know this would, this would be my third in my top three i mean so. i did i did uh on another podcast i did runaway bride recently which i think is a, a hugely entertaining episode mm -hmm. but a christmas special it ain't <laughs> like, no. No. it's got a few trees and flying baubles but that's about <laughs> it. like, like literally this is drenched in christmas isn't it it is it is it's it's it is Christmas, isn't it? It's uh, you know, I, I I kind of felt a little bit wrong for watching it, rewatching it this week, um, <laughs> because I was like, mm -hmm, I should be putting this on on, on Christmas Day, really, not now, you know. So it's sort of Victoriana as well, isn't mm -hmm. it? And all of that, Oliver Twist. Yeah. You've got the you know the buxom maid, the mm -hmm. the bar wench with the yeah. accent. Yeah, he know he absolutely knows what to lean on. He does. <laughs> yeah. Well, mm -hmm. I'm not going to lead you into the episode. Okay, I'm just making sure I'm queued up here. Um, so we will go into it in five, four, three, two, one, go.
what music playing? There we go. <laughs> <laughs> Mine wasn't playing for a moment. They did have a fantastic score, though, I thought, right from the off. Mm. Those, those sort of sinister bells yeah. go as that snow's coming down. Yeah, well, I think I think at this point, I mean, that looks beautiful, doesn't it? That wide shot of the garden. It just looks like a... It looks filmic. Um, but... It, it's, yeah. no longer, it's no longer polystyrene up the nose of Tom Baker in Sees the Doom, is it? No. <laughs> <laughs> a close-up shot on Tom um no this is this is you know talking about the music as well this is um i i feel at this point murray murray gold's really settled into um into his role that role um into his music um it's not overpowering it's not too bombastic it fits the scenes um it just works and yeah you're right it's a it's, it's a fantastic score I do wonder if um, his most memorable music comes in Rusty Davis's time. And that's only because I've heard so much of it because it's lo- it's older. Mm-hmm. It's most consistently good music is probably Matt Smith's time. Yes. Yeah. And what do you think of uh, Sir Ian McKellen voicing? Yes. The great intelligence. Well, it is a fact, you know, Jim, that uh, Stephen Moffat, can bring in these phenomenal guest actors and i've had many people come at me saying well what would you rather just have some dreary person doing these roles in these bit parts <laughs> he brings in these great actors and then gives them i mean obviously i mean ian mckellen probably went well i'm just going to do a voice part so write yeah. me a voice part you know mm-hmm. i don't want to be seen on the screen i believe oh no i'm thinking of what's his name from a christmas carol michael uh, Gam- michael gambon he was very unsure about all of that wasn't he mm-hmm. i was reading behind the scenes yeah um, I would love to have seen Ian McKellen on screen doing mm-hmm. something. If the voice is what we're going to get, then I guess that's what we're going to get. Yeah. It just doesn't feel big enough part for him. <laughs> you know, I, I would have preferred him in this part, as Simeon, but, you know, um, I'm sure we'll get to... <laughs> and then there are some actors that are given too big a role <laughs> all these snowmen are fantastic aren't they uh-huh. and i believe they're polystyrene aren't they they're uh they were made of How are they? Mm-hmm. apart from you know when they need to be cgi'd um i believe they were little polystyrene things that they made and i confess something to you they actually took me until this viewing to realise that they are snowmen in a great intelligence story. They are abominable snowmen. <laughs> I think perhaps that was the idea. <laughs> oh, and here we are with Clara. Yes. Where, why? Yes. <laughs> why? This, <laughs> this is the biggest crime that this, this episode has is killing her off. Uh, I mean, we'll get to it, obviously, but you know, how good is she in this? She you know, is astonishingly and, good in this. And I'm not a Clara hater. I'm not one of the you know one of those people. I don't. I just dislike the character on the most part. Yeah, you too. know, the, the character that she becomes um, when when they settle on whatever character she's going to become. Um, but... Jenna Louise Coleman is probably the most accomplished actress in the new series to mm-hmm. play a companion. Yeah. And the fact that she's saddled with that snarky, 
<laughs> know-it-all Clara that she eventually plays. Oh, it's so... She's so charming in this. She is. She is. And how different would it have been to have had her, this version of her, going along with this this Doctor? Even this version of the 11th Doctor. Do we know why he changed his mind? Because I know she was written into some of those scripts and they had to change the scripts. What, she was written in? I didn't know that. What, she, she was written, written in into scripts in Series 7 because I know Mark that... uh, Gatiss's Cold War originally had, and you say the greatest crime is that they wrote her out. The greatest crime was they originally were going to call her Beryl. <laughs> <laughs> and Beryl was written into Cold War. I mean, can you imagine this Victorian governess in that submarine? Man, it would have been eight. Oh, She'd have been brilliant, would she? <laughs> All right, no. you great snake. Let's be having you. <laughs> yeah, but now all I can see is Beryl Reed traveling with oh, the Eleventh Doctor. The name Beryl <laughs> does come with its dangers. Yeah, I don't know that, but that, I suppose that explains a little bit why she's such a sketchy character in 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 the, the kind of the back half of Series Seven. If she was meant to be written like this, and they had to they had to rewrite it, I don't know. What's irritating is as well at this point. The Clara mystery is intriguing. I think yes. the end of this episode, it left me on a, oh, where's this going? Mm -hmm. We've not seen this done before. Yeah. I very quickly in Series 7B got very tired of all yeah. the Clara mystery. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, and what? how do you feel about these titles? Because oh, this is the first time we've seen aren't them. I? The only thing I can say I like about these titles is the movement that we've, that I, I like fast-paced movements through whatever we're going through. Uh, I, and I like the face that's incorporated into the titles, but yeah, they're they're pretty much a yeah, they're not good. Once upon a time, you know, I drank half a bottle of ouzo, yeah, at a barbecue, and ate a lot of food as well. And that night, yeah, that ouzo melted my innards, and I brought it all up in a horrible mess, and it looked very <laughs> like that title sequence I just watched. <laughs> oh, it's it's funny because the majority of Series 7, I would I would watch, uh, I'd go for a, a pint with my mate on a Saturday afternoon, and then I'd come home and watch Series 7. So I'd watch it on a, under a little bit of a, you know, a, a little bit of a drunken haze. Why, I think. Very wise. Yeah. Yeah, apart from the titles, which uh, made me a little bit dizzy. <laughs> Do you know, though, but from a very garish and hideous image, like that title sequence, to these visuals, which are just enchanting, throughout this episode yeah and again nobody does kind of period dramas as well as the bbc really do they I mean, you know and this is know. proper they've got an old victorian house the snow machine's going crazy mm -hmm. Mary gold's got the choir singing yeah oh it's fantastic um what about um what about the doctor there's this sullen grumpy i've given i've retired doctor I like it. Uh, I I I kind of guess that that he, they couldn't keep him that way forever, but I like that. Um, and I kind of wish that that they that Matt Smith had been able to play it that way for a little longer. Um, he's yeah, he's very um, he's very much. Uh, I I read that they they wanted to write him a little bit like when the series came back with Eccleston being a bit grumpy, a bit, you know, brooding. Um, uh, yeah. And I, 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 I like the idea of that. Um, I mean, he, you know, he, I think Matt Smith is, plays the doctor the best in series five, which I think a lot of people 
have said before. Um, and as the series progresses, it becomes it becomes a little bit more zanier and zanier and kind of out there a little bit and a bit of a cartoon character, really. Um, but it's it's this version of him, this brooding version of him is just and he looks good as well in it's in the costume. Really, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it, some sort of tailored costume he has in 7B. I mm. really dislike that. I'd like him to stay looking like this. Yeah. Yeah. It's, imagine it, imagine him and this Victorian Clara. They'd be literally scouring the universe looking like a pair of Victorians. It would yeah. be marvelous. So really anachronistic in every sort of science fiction setting. Mm hmm. Yeah. And you know, I mean, we'll get to the TARDIS when we when we get to it, and it, it's a vast improvement on on the previous TARDIS oh, interior. But you Honestly, know, if there, if there was ever a TARDIS console room, yeah, that was orgasmic, it's this one. Yeah, the complete opposite to the old one, as far as I'm <laughs> Oh, look, we've got Vastra and Jenny as well. Mm -hmm. What do you think of the Paternoster gang? Uh, this is one of the things I've come to reappraise because I really didn't like them to start off with. Mm -hmm. And I've since listened to some of their stories for Big Finish. And do you know what? It's the same with River Song, you know. You take Moffat out of the equation sometimes and, and they come to life in unexpected ways. Mm -hmm. um, I think they work really, really well in this and in the Crimson Horror and mm -hmm. in Deep Breath. Deep Breath. It's all mm -hmm. those stories where the Doctor's sort of out of the action. Yeah. And they have to sort of power the action. Yeah. I, I think they could have easily carried, you know, carried a spin-off show. Um but what I don't know what it would be aimed at, which kind of audience it would go for. <laughs> but um, because, you know, uh, they've done they've done demographic tests, and they said there's a show out here about a, a prehistoric lizard and her <laughs> human wife and a psychotic potato. <laughs> Is the doctor a bit racist towards Strax? I think so. Yeah, I think it's a. Uh... It's a little bit of casual racism, isn't it? Um, I don't think it's intended to make him racist. Um, I just think it's uh, it's some unfortunate choice of words. Uh, Has the doctor kidnapped his latest companion in that carriage? Yeah. Uh -huh. He's behaving very out of character. wrong as well. Yeah. <laughs> going back to him being sort of brooding and out of action, right? Apparently as well, Moffat really wanted to do the thing that Douglas Adams wasn't allowed to do, and that was having the doctor say, well, I've had enough of adventuring you know, I'm retiring. Um, it's that, that bit later on in this, oh, that agonising scene where he dresses up as Sherlock Holmes. Oh. And that's when he's back, you know, the sort of lemonade taps mm -hmm. 11th Doctor. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, oh, here we go. God, yeah. I'm too good to be true. Yeah. I yeah, That would have been such a good idea, though, to have him, you know, retired and uh, this this kind of version of Clara brings brings him out of that and they go... They go... <laughs> I don't know. I could have I could have watched several episodes of, of him being based in Victorian London. Well, and you can base him as well because they did it in series 10. They gave mm -hmm. him a set location and they he was still able to go off and have adventures. And it was wonderful coming back to that university. Yeah. Well, imagine coming back to Victorian London. Ah, oh, they would have been wonderful. I mean, I think the two best stories from the Snowman onwards are this and possibly the Crimson Horror. It's the two mm -hmm. Victorian ones. Yeah, yeah. And I think the director of this directed the Crimson Horror as well, didn't he? Oh, really? Well, he knew his stuff yeah. then. He knew yeah. what he was doing. Yeah. <laughs> she said, your pal, he's an ugly fellow, isn't he? <laughs> <laughs> how, how do you feel about the um, the Santarans? Uh, well, uh, 
namely Strax, um, being portrayed in such a com- uh, comedic way. Uh, because I, I've kind of done a complete turnaround on it. I didn't like it to start with, um, but the more I've watched things with the Centaurans in, the more I realise, yeah, they are a bit of a comedy race, really, they always, aren't they? I mean, I think the only time they've been treated seriously ever, really, is War of the Centaurans. Mm-hmm. You know, that's the bold story there, making them a credible threat. Yeah. Whereas they are always a bit like in Two Doctors, that poor Sontaran. He yes. gets blown up. Acid is. His leg chopped off. I mm-hmm. mean, it's hilarious. Yeah. Um, You know, you can't exactly take Store seriously in Invasion of Time, can you? <laughs> oh. <laughs> and I think every line that comes out of Kevin Lindsay's mouth in The Time Warrior is hilarious. It's fantastic. Fantastic. I think maybe... A kind of a little bit, there's a little less comedy in the Centauran experiment. Um, well, a bit of torture involved there, and... yeah, very sadistic. Um, but yeah, I've kind of uh, you know, I, I was always thinking, no, no, they shouldn't be. They, yeah. I think sometimes the comedy can be overplayed a little bit. What for Strax? Oh, with boy, Strax, yeah, Tom Tom. Tom. Do you remember that joke? <laughs> oh, jeez, they say Chibnall's bad at writing comedy. Mark Gatiss, move over. You got the set now. <laughs> <laughs> He's a really funny writer, Mark Gatiss. Like, mm. oh, <laughs> we're going to appeal to all the two-year-olds out there. <laughs> I love this. Um, the carriage just pulls away, and she's standing there behind it. <laughs> she just escapes from it. Yeah, see, this is this is really different to how our Clara is introduced in here. She's inquisitive mm. and she doesn't, you know, let the fact that later on that the bloody staircase goes up into the clouds put her off. <laughs> <laughs> Whereas there's a lot of pursuit. The doctor's sort of pursuing Clara, isn't he? In yeah. Bells of St. John. Yeah. I just like her having all this agency, you know, and yeah. sort of balls. Sorry, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I know. I mean, I suppose if we'd have kept this version of her, we wouldn't have possibly seen her story probably wouldn't have played out the same. Maybe I don't know. Um, I do like the idea that and I can't remember who who suggested it, but I do like the idea that uh, that the Clara in series seven B is different to the Clara in series eight. That's why her personality is so different because it's a different splinter. Um and that we just oh. haven't seen what's happened in between. Um that's a great idea. That mm. puts puts away all my objections. If that had only been a line <laughs> in the story, I'd be like, right, yeah. yeah. That's why yeah. she's a teacher now. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Instead yeah. of all this off-screen development that we've never heard of. Yeah. She's actually a different version of her. Oh, wow, that's um, a great idea. See, there you go. You're chalking up another plus to the Moffat era. Well done. There we go. <laughs> Do you know, I don't think any... Now, I'm going to say another positive thing about Stephen Moffat here. No writer of Doctor Who can do fairy tale quite like Stephen Moffat. No. The fairy tale of your childhood, that sort of magic. And mm-hmm. this is a brilliant example of that as it she is. goes up into the clouds. It, yeah, and and, and it, the whole kind of fairy tale thing runs throughout his series you know it's like russell russell t davis's era it's very much grounded in reality um and mm. this is grounded in fairy tale um but it's like disney isn't it disney can go one or two ways right it can be absolutely 
like all your dreams come true and magic and enchanting to watch or mm-hmm. pass the fucking sick bucket. And Moffat yeah. goes those two ways as well. You can either have this or you can watch The Doctor, The Widow and The Wardrobe, you know, <laughs> and oh, just <laughs> agonising. I mean, what's more fairy tale than a, a magic staircase that goes up into the sky yeah, to a just... box in the clouds, you know? See, and that's him doing something original. In The Widow and The Wardrobe, it's just the cupboard yeah. goes into, or the present, isn't it, you know? Yeah, and I think I think that's the thing. I mean, obviously, Christmas Carol is very much based on the Christmas Carol and the Doctor Widow and the Wardrobe is very much based up. Well, not a lot of it, but has elements of the Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. Um, this is probably, you know, this is this is better because it's branching away from from that. It's a more origin, original idea. Uh, there are those... many reasons why Christmas Carol is my least favorite Christmas special. But I will say this: that shark that's floating around in the air in the shoulders of fish. Oh, it's magic! It's amazing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, look at her there. She's just bewitched, isn't she? Yeah. Why, 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 why didn't we have this version? Of her? <laughs> I don't know. Beryl, where did you go? And the TARDIS as well, doesn't it? You know, just. What I, I love here as well is that you think that you're going to get her going into the TARDIS at this point and they mm. save it, don't they? For later. Yeah. yeah. She kind and boy, of... it's a hell of a reveal as well. Oh, yeah. And she kind of, yeah, she's uh, very much, I'm not going to stay. I'm not going to stay here. I'm going to have to think about this. <laughs> it just yeah, straight down good. the stairs. And that's also <laughs> a very natural reaction, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah. Okay, that's enough. <laughs> <laughs> but it's, yeah, yeah, I, I think it was done with dry ice, wasn't it? I think... Uh... It's just, oh. it's so simple and mm. so effective for it. Yeah. You know, and you know, by the time Matt Smith's era ended, I was just, I was sick of the whole fairy tale thing and I wanted mm. it to get back to being a bit darker yeah. and a bit scarier. And boy, did we get that with Capaldi's first year. Yeah, because it kind of itches that that kind of fairy tale aspect, really, doesn't it? It kind of, it, it gets very much, I don't know grit, if grittier is the right word because that's, don't like calling things oh, a bit twisted isn't it yeah he's a bit twisted and so's the show you know it's very it's very uncomfortable um i i i i'm with you i love series eight and i love series 10 and i like elements of series nine um but it's it's not always a comfortable viewing um and i like watching that it. well though you know you mm-hmm. talked about dark water death in heaven earlier and there's a lot of problems i have with that mm-hmm. but uh, that that's an adult version of Doctor Who for the first episode. That, that's mm-hmm. that's kind of ignoring the kids entirely. Yeah, yeah. That's Moffat saying, "I just write what I want." It's brave. Okay. I yeah. write, but it's brave. Yeah. Whereas this is absolute. This is totally geared at the family audience, oh, yeah. isn't it? It is. But, okay, let's let's try and get to the nuts and bolts of this though. About okay. what is so fundamentally good about this Clara that isn't present in our Clara. I think, I mean, firstly, it's taking her out of the, you know, she's not in, in a modern era. Um, I think we're looking at somebody who's out of, you know, out of time. Um, I think she's, I think there's a lot of fun behind her and she's she's very cheeky. Um, and she's not, she's not snarky. No, and she seems to be enjoying her life. 
Yeah. I always got the impression with Clara from 7B, she's a bit like, oh, I don't want to be a babysitter. You know? this, this, yeah, this <laughs> is Clara. Children. Yeah, this this version of Clara, she is already having fun in her life. She's having adventures. She's a, you know, she's a barmaid. She's a, she's a schoolmistress. Uh, is she a schoolmistress or is she a nanny? Uh, she's both, isn't she? That's... Oh no, she's the in, barmaid in and she's the nanny. Yeah, yeah, then she, yeah. So you know, she's already she's already there doing things. You know, she's uh, she doesn't she doesn't necessarily need the doctor um, in in her life. He just happens to come into her life. Um, in, in the same breath, I think she shows appropriate fear when things are tense. Yeah, you know, she's, it's she doesn't just throw a, a you know a, a snarky quip at at something. Um, and if she doesn't understand, she asks questions. Whereas I always feel like the other Clara just knows everything. Yeah, she's too cl- she's too clever. She's too clever. Um, well, I don't mind clever women. Jesus, no, Jesus. no, God, no. <laughs> in television, you know, no, God, no. <laughs> but it's like I don't like it when the Doctor knows everything either, be it no. a man or a woman. No, no. And I think in this Clara, you know, although she's questioning, she clearly knows things as well. Um, she's clever. Um, I don't know. She's just fun. She's just fun to be around. Um, oh, it sounds like so simple, you know. I feel like there's a warm smile on this Clara's face, and mm. there's a smug grin on our Clara's face. Yeah, and there's a world of difference between the two. Yeah, yeah. You know, and I and I think also, you know, you, you, this uh, we have that issue of there being nobody really knows. Uh, how to how to write her for a long time and you know then she she outlives her outlives her welcome you know i believe she she should have gone in in last christmas um and i think she's just very i just don't think anybody knows what to do with her i don't think moffat knows what to do with her um it's a great coincidence you know that when she finally gets murdered horribly by that raven that the very next episode post clara everyone considers to be the all-time masterpiece of the series mm-hmm. yeah and then hell bent where she comes back no one considers that to be the all-time <laughs> masterpiece of the series sorry i'm being mean now no but she should have got she there's, there's multiple times she should have gone um and i really thought that was the end in face the raven where she mm. where she got killed i thought oh, she's done it oh, now yeah. thank god They'd already brought out that cover on Dot Two magazine of her in the American Diner, and I was like, "Well, we we ain't seen that yet." (laughs) (laughs) She's back, baby. (laughs) Oh, this bit here as well, where she's standing in the park, going, "Doctor, doctor," like a lunatic. (laughs) Yeah, she's just don't know. She's just adorable. What's no. nice is you're starting to... It's nowhere near as effective. Do you remember in Stolen Earth and Journey's End where uh, he brought in just everybody that had been involved in the three series? You know, he, mm-hmm. he created this vast cast of memorable characters. Mm-hmm. And I don't think we'd really done much of that in Moffat's era to this point. No. And we're slowly... You've, obviously, you've got the companions, but then you've got River and you've got the Paternoster gang. We're slowly cohering yeah. a group of regulars. And I think in Series 7B, one of the few strengths of it is that's the one time where it feels like there is a set of characters around the Doctor. Yeah, like that. yeah. It's, it, and, and uh, you know, I'm, I'm kind of sad that the the, the kind of the Paternoster gang didn't get a really a send-off, really, from the, from the show. They were just gone. Do you know why that is? 
No. I only found that out this week, actually, listening to another podcast. Apparently, Capaldi said, I'll do this role, but I don't want all these hangover plots and things. Really? I'll fresh start when I do it. So Moffat was like, right, we're going to bring them in just to help the transition. And then it'll be completely fresh from that point on, which is why all of this is jet. And what a shame. Yeah. I mean, you know, fair enough. Jettison it if you if you want, but at least give them a bit of a an exit story, you know, um, as they're just gone. You never see them again. Um, I'll tell you what's a, a stark contrast uh, to show how good an actress Jenna Coleman is, is she has this exact scene again in Deep Breath with Madame mm-hmm. Bathory in this set mm-hmm. as a different character, and the tone of it is completely different. Mm-hmm. Now, this this scene, actually, um, it was it was one of the things, one of the things that irritated me, um, not the scene itself, but because it doesn't really make much sense, you know, they talk about one word answers and the thing that gets the doctor's attention is she says pond and that's fine from a story perspective that's going to get the doctor's you know attention however why would she think that that word would get the doctor to help oh i see what you're saying what yeah is, is there something happening in the pond outside though is there it? is yeah, but what would I see what you're saying? It's all yeah. a, bit, uh, a bit forced. And... It's forced, yeah, and I think that is, and 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 we get something else similar later on in the story where uh, the maid at the house opens the door to uh, Jenny and Vastra, and Vastra says, "I'm I'm the lizard woman from the dawn of time," <laughs> and it's like, yeah, that's great. It's funny. It's comedy. However, are you kidding me? All the Stephen Moffat characters talk like that. <laughs> I'm Kate Lethbridge-Stewart, daughter of Brigadier (laughs) Lethbridge-Stewart. I'm head of unit and I'm going to save the world. (laughs) And I think that's the that's the issue for me. What you know, uh, and fine, if that's the if that's the style of. But that takes me out of the story, you know, Uh, the, the she didn't need to crack a line there to to make the maid scream. Um, she didn't. The maid could have just screamed from seeing her, you know. <laughs> yeah. What's the one with the person who keeps fainting all the way through the story? Is it Diodati? Oh, is it? Yeah. No. There's there's a Doctor Who new series story where they're in the past, and every time he's confronted with one thing after another, and he keeps oh. fainting. I can't remember which episode it is. I think it's a Jodie. I think it might be. Yeah. It oh, that's going to bug me now. <laughs> And also, we're getting a brief glimpse of that console there, console room, yeah. but just the lights, you know. I do like the touch that he's wearing. Um, he's wearing Amy's glasses, and they're all the, sort of the little details that Moffat does remember, you know, mm-hmm. like kisses to the past, like that. He again, he's writing for Doctor Who fans, so yeah. he wants to reward Doctor Who fans. Mm-hmm. Do you know the idea as well of the the snow globe being the great intelligence? It's, again, mm-hmm. it's so simple, but it's really it's it's vivid it's memorable it is it is and i think that's you know that's what moffat does quite does very well he puts uh memorable things oh here we go oh my god and you know what it's even playing the sherlock theme tune oh yeah see this is the Stephen moffat it takes you straight yeah it takes it it takes you straight out of the story it's so fucking meta isn't it yeah it's... And you know, so far in this episode, he's not been screaming, I'm clever. I'm clever, all right? You no. need to remember this. Whereas in this scene, just screams of it. 
And there's absolutely no reason he needed to turn up in this costume either. No, because everyone at home is going, ah, ha, ha, ha. Oh, <laughs> Sherlock references. How witty. Exactly. It's a, Again, it's another forced oh. thing, you know. Um, it's the two yeah. weakest things of this story together, you know. <laughs> it's it's the Moffat smug comedy scene and Richard E. Grant. <laughs> <laughs> We haven't talked well, about. It. I was gonna. I was about to say that takes us on to uh, Richard E. Grant. Um, yeah. Go on. What's your opinions on him? Well, your silence speaks volumes. <laughs> I think it's a true gift, you know, that a man can stride so many franchises and fantastic movies without one scintilla of acting talent. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's astonishing. His career is astonishing. It's the same thing in each <laughs> so thing boring. that he does. He's just he be chewing the fucking scenery right now, and instead he's just there as a zombie. <laughs> I'll tell you what, we've seen more charismatic zombies in Doctor Who as well. <laughs> Remember that bunch in Journey to the Center of the TARDIS? Going, they had more life to them than him. And what's worse is he turns up in The Bells of St. John and he turns up in Name of the Doctor as well. Yeah, he gets ever more bored in the role, doesn't he? Like, he does, yeah. Some Name of the Doctor's like, please kill me. <laughs> <laughs> when he died at the end of this, or so we fall, I was like, mm. oh, goodness. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, um, um, It's not you... the most sparkling turn, is it? No, it's not. Um, how, what did you... Did you ever watch him in um uh, scream of the shalka in the animated we were spared weren't we mm-hmm. we were spared a run of sonantistic yeah. performances <laughs> <laughs> whoever made that casting decision <laughs> i hope you're not still doing that job <laughs> i mean matt smith richard e grant i mean they're worlds apart aren't they no insane isn't it I I mean actually the great intelligence is just this sort of emotionless voice you're right they could have it kind of it kind of works (laughs) it kind of works but not quite Smith needs somebody charismatic to play against scenes in like Crimson Horror with Diana Rigg are so great Mm -hmm. you know if you give him a good actor to play against otherwise he just looks like he's playing Looney Tunes while the other person's rolling their eyes going yeah yeah, are you, are you really going to play it that way? You know? it, it, it clashes, doesn't it? And it makes it worse than than what it has actually intended to be. And it's a shame, you know, because it's probably the the one sticking point in this episode. Mm. Yeah, oh, I, I like that when he waves up at the window. Is she uh, summoning up to a, a bedroom? Yeah, dirty cow. Honestly, <laughs> they call it a snog box, you know, in the Bells of St John. Snog box. Yeah, that's what she calls the TARDIS. Don't get me started. Oh, she does, doesn't she? Oh, yeah. Oh, no. <laughs> I'm, I'm with JNT. No hanky panky in the TARDIS. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, if it's those two fellas in Praxeus, then I'm all over. That <laughs> <laughs> and 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 again, I think um, I sometimes I like the way it plays off. Kind of innocence of of Matt Smith's eleventh Doctor, um, 
I kind of sometimes see him as a bit of a teenager, really. You know, um, it doesn't always work. Um, you know, there were certain I things think that... he plays like the um, the old man in in a young man's body brilliantly in series five. Mm-hmm. I feel like it's almost abandoned later on. There are moments. Yeah. He's, he feels different in series five, even the way he looks, you know, he's very... That, uh, that trampish sort of costume yeah. he's got is great. It's yeah. pure Troughton, isn't it? And even even his even his hair, you know, he's, he's much more tailored after series five. You know why, don't you? It's because the Impossible Astronauts happened. The Americans are watching now. We can't have a, a trampy hero anymore, but they've got to be no. tailored. Yeah. Oh, see, this is a fabulous That's idea, the ice, ice mm-hmm. witch. That's the way to do it. Nothing dates worse than CGI. No. No. <laughs> but, you know, we're Doctor Who fans. When have special effects ever been a sticking point? No. We just, we watch it and uh, we accept it for what it was at the time. No. You know, it's it's true, Jim, that I, I have said very mean things about a lot of children in the Stephen Moffat era. I call them the brood of the damned, you know, mm-hmm. and think about some of the ones we've had there, you know, that whole bunch in, in the forest of the night, yeah. and Marty, that horrendous kid in night terrors. Oh. Um, well, this pair, they're bucking the trend. I think they're quite yeah. good. They're all right, aren't they? They're not you know why bad. that is? It's because the focus isn't on them. They're part of the story, mm-hmm. but we're not leaning into, we're not it's kind not of seeing me. all the story through their eyes. Although you know, I, I I thought that the uh, the young uh, Hazran in uh, A Christmas Carol was pretty well acted. Oh, hang on, which one? Because I don't want to say anything inappropriate here. Oh no, I'm thinking about the one who's about twenty because he's hot as hell. You're talking about the <laughs> child. Aren't I'm you? talking about the child. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I don't think he's hot as hell. All right. <laughs> no, he was pretty good, and obviously young Amelia Pond as well. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> He was lulled into a false sense of security. She was so good in the 11th hour. He's like, right, right, kids into every episode. They're amazing. <laughs> oh, shit. Just get any old child actor in. <laughs> We're doing base under siege now, aren't we? We are, yeah. Mm-hmm. Just for sort of five minutes. Yeah. If there's one thing Doctor Who can do well, it's run around a manor house for <laughs> minutes whilst a mon- monster approaches. <laughs> Do you think? Do you think the Doctor should be this distraught about losing his companions? Um, he's lost Damien Rory, hasn't he? So, I think this is probably a better way of doing it than having an mm. entire season of him moaning. Yeah, so moaning, um, mourning the loss of Rose in series three. Yeah, uh, true. I love series three, but that's the one thing where I'm like, God, you. Bastard. Yeah. You're yeah. so horrible to Martha yeah. in that first half season. Mm-hmm. No wonder she told you to fuck off at the end of the year. Yeah. So yeah. kind of doing it this quickly, and I I quite liked it in Doctor Mysterio as well, where he had just a couple of scenes where he mourns the loss of River in mm-hmm. Wedding of River Song. No, not the what's it called? Husbands of River Song. Husbands of River Song, River Song yeah. And another good Christmas special. So he does knock him out. Yeah, he does, yeah. Yeah. Oh god. Yeah. See, and this is the sort of humour I hate. It's 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 you know Matt Smith walking into a tree in a backwards spacesuit. Yeah, it's that really obvious, and it's not. I don't even think it's funny for the kids. No, no, and and I'm I'm quite um, uh, embarrassed for that actress really because she was uh, she she played a main part in Life on Mars. Have you have you watched Life on Mars before? 
Indeed, I didn't. She wasn't the main woman, was she? She was um, Annie in Life on Mars. No, she wasn't. Mm-hmm. So she when she totally different, I know. So when she turned up in this, I was thinking, oh, she's going to have a, you know, she's going to have a uh, quite a big part in it, but she's not. She's just kind of reduced to running around and screaming and fainting. Oh, I feel sorry for a lot of <laughs> famous people in the mafia. I feel sorry yeah. for Olivia Coleman, you know, and <laughs> Bill Bailey. Yeah, but like, so going back to the humour quickly. Yeah, like his humour can be so sophisticated. Recently, I've watched Press Gang, right, where mm-hmm. the dialogue is like, constantly witty throughout, and he's doing that sort of Shakespearean in one door, out another, you know, and yeah. like, and and that sort of fast, furious comedy. Yeah. It's really clever. And then on the other hand, he does jokes, you know, that would drop like a lead balloon at a kid's party. Yeah, you you, you got to wonder what. I mean, when he wrote Press Gang, I mean, that was obviously uh, shown on kids' TV, wasn't it, mm. uh, back in the 90s? So... It's seriously sophisticated, that show. It's properly adult. Yeah. I, I don't know why he gets it wrong. Maybe because he thinks he has to write for kids when he's writing this, when he's writing humour. I don't know. See, when, when Russell T. Davis does the same thing, he'll have a burping bin... Or a, a farting politician, right? And like for me, that just works because, like, I hate to say it, but flatulence does make kids laugh. <laughs> you know, I always feel like like he, go, he brings a kid in and farts. He goes, right, that's funny. Let's yeah. do it. <laughs> <laughs> or he has to, you know, the tree come through the wall and Jackie say that amazing line about being killed by a Christmas tree or something like that. You know, I always feel like he gauges his comedy really well. He does. Yeah, I'm not sure about the kissing. Oh, I don't like the kissing. But, you know, I have been told that I'm a bit of an old fusty fuddy-duddy and having a sexy Doctor Who that, you know, likes ladies in short skirts is a <laughs> refreshing new element of the show. I don't think there's anything particularly wrong with it. Um, it's, you know, I remember the... the the the. Roar that that was thrown up um, when the TV movie came out, and uh, you know the Doctor was kissing Grace, and it never bothered me. Um, I think what bothered I think it works, and I'm okay with it if there's a reason for it. Um, I, I don't think it. I, what I, when I don't like it is when it's done for no reason, like. That that was just done to have a kiss. Yeah, to have a kiss. Yeah, it's and it, it yeah, it it My happens often too is, often. It's Donna in uh, Unicorn and the Wasp, where she goes, "You want a shock? I'll give you a shock," and she just slaps <laughs> him in the kitchen. So so to save his life, you know. Yeah, that was nothing sexual about it at all. No, right? no. Which is great. But like these clearly Matt Smith and Jenna Coleman have sexual chemistry. Like mm. it is very apparent and they lean into it a fair yeah. bit. Yeah. And yeah, I yeah. think that's what people were like, oh, you yeah, know, romantic chemistry, fair enough. Mm. Sexual chemistry. Oh, mm. okay. Yeah. Or maybe I'm just very old. Oh, I don't think so. I don't think so. Um, well, it's the same. I see no, 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 people better not accuse me of just throwing this out at the straights. Because, you know, have you seen these pictures that are popping up on social media of Shooty Gatwa in his underwear in the gym? Mm-hmm. 
I don't want to see the doctor's cock, Jim. All right, I just don't <laughs> want to see it. And I never thought I'd utter those words. There's a kind of there's a kind of line, isn't there? There's a kind of uh, there's a line. <laughs> Yeah. If that makes sense, you, the line you, is, you can go so far. Here we go. Now, look, we've gone from this wonderful set piece of this crazy ice maiden, and now we're going up the staircase into the TARDIS. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I don't think there's a duff note from this point on, you know. No, no. Um... Oh, yeah, there is. I've just remembered one. Just one. It's the crying, the tears oh. coming down. Love yeah. cop it all as what ever. Is what is it with Moffat and emotions and <laughs> you know, love and crying and uh yeah, it's uh yeah, it looks so good again, doesn't it? This yeah, and do you know what it reminds me of? Remember that bit in Moulin Rouge when you and McGregor and Nicole yeah. Kidman go up into the cloud and have a little dance around? Yeah, and that was a big budget Hollywood blockbuster, you know. Yeah. Oh, look at this sexy TARDIS. And it is, isn't it? And it, and I know a lot of people say, oh, it's, it's much better when uh, Capaldi comes in and they kind of put a lot of furnishings in it and they, you know, give him a little library up there and and it it probably does look better um, in the Capaldi era. But going from what we had before this to this, it's stunning. That I love the lighting in it, the the bluish green, it just looks so good. You can and and it feels like the TARDIS. I think the issue that I had with Smith's first TARDIS was that it just it was a mess. It, was it reminded me of it. It's all that glass and chrome. It reminds me of those conference centers where they have conventions. You know, mm. they look as boring as that console room. Yeah. And and you never got a sense of where you were in it. I mean, I still don't know where the the doors were in the TARDIS in that console room. Um, it just you just never knew where you where you were in there. Um, but this is just. I mean, this is probably my favourite. I do have a real soft spot for Jodie's as well. Oh yeah, I do. When they when they learn how to light it and shoot it well, which I think yeah. is from sort of series twelve onwards. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think like, can you hear me? Do you remember when all the lights yeah. were down? It was really atmospheric. Yeah, blues and reds, and mm. and and I think if there was one thing, because I've got a soft spot for Jodie Tardis as well, and I think if there's one thing I would have changed about her Tardis, it would have been to get rid of the the uh, the penises. Um, would have got rid of that. Did you see that that toy of the console that came out? <laughs> I ordered four, you know. <laughs> <laughs> We've got one in each bedside drawer. <laughs> I'm oh, Come on. And they were pink originally. Yeah, and then someone yeah. realized they had to grade it that sort of bronzy colour. Yeah. Honestly. It would have it would have opened the set out more if they'd have got rid of them. Um because instead there's a lot of scenes of can't really see what's going on because people are, you know, but yeah. Swinging it back around to, to this TARDIS, mm -hmm. um, as good as this sequence is with um, Victoria and Clara going in, my favourite scene in The Bells of St John is when our Clara, and it's that, you know, when they go into the TARDIS, right round the console, out and into the plane. Yeah. That is the that is best fantastic. entrance to the TARDIS you are ever going to, they'll never top it. 
that was such a kind of high energy sequence as well. I, 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 when I watched that at the time, I was like, wow, this is, this is so good. And this is total Moffat as well. He's given you this lovely moment mm -hmm. and absolutely certain. Yeah. This is where she's going to join the TARDIS. Mm -hmm. And we know that the ice woman's following them. Mm. And then she suddenly grabs her and pulls her back. Yeah. I remember watching it going, oh, no. And then you think, oh, well, that might actually bring her back. Um, and that yeah. Oh, my happen. God. I've just realised, yeah. He murders someone and they stay dead. Yeah. It can yeah. be done. <laughs> it can be done. <laughs> now, uh, I do have a feeling, though, if she fell from that great height, uh, maybe her head would have been crushed in and there'd be a lot yeah. of that. I think it would be a, a, a lot more um there'd be a lot more physical damage than that. I don't I don't kind of get that though it materializes the TARDIS around her. Well they've done this a few times now, haven't they? They did it mm. with Rose in Part of the Ways. I, I don't mm. quite get it. We've never done it before, but No. Yeah. No, I think um yeah. Well the same thing happens in Blink, doesn't it, with the angels around the TARDIS. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Although that's I I that's that's clever part of the plot and that's clever yeah, yeah. um I think just doing it for the hell of it is uh... that's the right side of Moffat clever that is yeah mm -hmm. like you know I obviously I've become a little bit of a known as the person who doesn't like Moffat's approach to Doctor Who in this podcast world that we exist in but like when he's on form. It's probably the best Doctor Who ever is. It is. You know? And I think a good 50% of his era is really good and mm -hmm. solid. Mm -hmm. You know, and the other 50%, well, it just ain't for me. And that's fair. Yeah. And and I, th I think sometimes, you know, it's not, not everything's going to appeal, appeal to, to you, is it? You know, there's, again, I, there's very few Moffat stories particularly Matt Smith stories that I go back to, um, mm. you know, maybe because they're so arc heavy. Um, I definitely think that's got, that's got something to do with it, isn't it? Mm. There's a lack of rewatchability because you can't just watch one. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It, it, it's like when I, when I was, uh, you know, trying to entice uh, that, the, the, my friend to, to watch Doctor Who and um, I was trying to think of some Matt Smith episodes that I could put on. And I was like, well, what can I put on with, which isn't, kind of in the middle of an arc or or is standalone is just not very good so it you know as sort of good as a reset as the 11th hour is i still think rose is your best in to the mm -hmm. new series yeah yeah it sort of answers every question it does series, doesn't it it does yeah and it offers does. this huge sort of thrill of adventure yeah oh why so then this is the point where we kind of still trust Moffat to kill people and for them to <laughs> So we're like, okay, this is very moving. Well, no, it got to a point, you know, when Bill got shot, I was like, oh, please. Yeah. I mean, first of all, it's, I was it... like, no, you can't. <laughs> you just thrown a bloody great hole in her chest. What are you doing? The most likable fucking companion you've given us. I know. I kind of would have, and would have liked a better ending for Bill, really, as much as that two-part is just utterly fantastic. Yeah. You know, it's... Can I tell you about my recording of that? Uh, well, you may have mentioned it before. I yeah. forgot to press record. Oh. We talked for three and a half hours. Oh, <laughs> oh my word. <laughs> it wasn't until I ended the call and nothing was saving. I was like, 
Mm-hmm. Oh. <laughs> oh my god. Have you oh. so, sorry to interrupt. That that box there with the London Underground on it. Now is this leading into the web of fear? I think so. I think he's uh, unintentionally giving the great intelligence the idea. Um, Because I, I don't think we knew whether fear had been found at this point. I think the TV series No, I didn't. was leaning into the fact that Oh, really? I think so, yeah. Oh, I didn't even think about it like Well, that. it's That's an awful a good coincidence one. that they Yeah. were suddenly doing the great intelligence Yeah, I just didn't as this even was think found by of that. Phil Morris. That's a really, oh, that's a really nice idea. Because obviously we've got the abominable snowman after this, really. Yeah. But Oh, in 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 terms of years, yeah. yeah, yeah. Wow. Oh, look, the doctor's pissed. I go one or two ways with Matt Smith when he does anger. Sometimes I think it can be really embarrassing, and other times I think he really sells it. Yeah, he's Often in the same scene, you know. yeah. I I mean I remember watching Nightmare in Silver. Uh, yeah, I don't think I need to say any more. Other No. than that, <laughs> I've erased that one from my mind. No, no. Surprisingly, no one's been clamoring to do that one. <laughs> <laughs> or journey to the center of the TARDIS. I mean, it, my wife at the time she was uh, she was like. Um, This is the this is the best performance he's ever given in Nightmare and Silver, and I was like, "What? Are you kidding?" Why she's not your wife anymore, is it? No reason to get divorced, Jim, you know, honestly. There's something else I was going to say earlier about um, the Patinoska gang. I may not have a chance to, so I'm going to say it here. But I actually, one thing I've come to reappraise is each of the individual performances of those three. And I think no one's got an easy task there. Because, No. uh, is it Katrin? Katrin? Her name is Catherine Yeah, I think it's something, Catherine. playing Yeah, Madame yeah. Bastra. That's an almost impossible role to play, you know, Victorian vigilante Silurian. <laughs> and yeah, she gives it enormous dignity. Then you've got Jenny, who's in the disadvantageous uh, position of reminding everyone that she's a lesbian every five minutes. You know, honestly, I don't, I know people might think listening to this podcast that I, I go around telling everyone, you know, I suck cock, but I don't do that. You know, people don't do that in life. And yet she manages to play that role. Like, she's really charming, I think. And then you've got Dan Starkey, who's played loads of Sontarans at this point, and imbues every single one with a different personality. And he's just really fun to watch. He's almost um it, he's almost unrecognizable in because uh, he plays a Santaran in War of the Santarans, doesn't he? In Flux. And Is he the one that goes, Chocolate? I think it is, Is he yeah. that one? <laughs> I think it is, I love yeah. that bit. But you don't look at him and think it's Strax. He's just, you know, he's so completely different. Um and I think he oh he, I can't remember the name of the Santaran in Santaran Stratagem. But again, he's totally different, playing a totally different Santaran. Um, Don't you love it that um, uh, Stephen Moffat's written all of these jokes for Strax? Hundreds of jokes, you know, and a lot of them haven't landed. And then Chibnall came in and goes, right, I'm going to do the funniest bit ever. As that's on Tara and say, and I wanted to ride a horse. <laughs> it's absolutely hilarious. I love that bit. Oh, what's occurring now? I've lost the plot. Snow globe's going crazy. Yeah, um... <laughs>
Oh, that's right. Do you remember the um? We think the doctor's won. He's done something clever with Simeon. Yeah. And the great intelligence is going no, no, and then he goes really. You didn't think it's going to be that easy. <laughs> <laughs> that was nice. Like no. I don't think we really give a shit about the great intelligence. I think we care no, about Tara at this point. Yeah, and I think I think that's the thing. It's very it, it, it's very much um it's it's a thin plot. Like 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 we said earlier on, it's a thin plot, and this is kind of all um <laughs> just. <laughs> laughing at Richard e. Grant's performance. This is the most Bless animated him. he's been in the whole <laughs> <laughs> And he's being animated, isn't he? <laughs> the only way you can get him to display an emotion is to force the character to do it. <laughs> so now the intelligence is in control of him. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's very much, it's background. It's, uh, the plot is background stuff, really. Um, it's designed to 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 uh, allow us to have those set pieces and character points. I think you've, you you have kind of got two ways to have a success in the, a new series episode because you only got forty five minutes of an hour to tell it. In, mm-hmm. Is you tell a really great character story, or you tell a really great plot. Mm-hmm. And often the best, the very best, are when both of those things score. Yeah. But I'll take one or the other. You know, if you've got a really great plot, hooray. Mm-hmm. You've got a fantastic character study, brilliant. Yeah. This is a really great character study. Yes. And it's an adequate plot. Yes. Yeah. It's the character it's the character study and the and the it it, it holds it together, doesn't it? And the trouble with series seven B is, is you haven't got great plots or great character studies. It's no. just a load of set pieces. Mm-hmm. I do enjoy uh, the name of the Doctor, though. I do enjoy the name of the Doctor. Oh, do you know what my favourite? Then... I like Rings of Akaten. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Rings Rest of Akaten. Sorry. <laughs> But then I think, do I like the name of the Doctor, or do I like it because it features the it features all these little kisses to the past, you know? And I think sometimes we can get caught yeah. up in that. And you know, is it an entertaining story, or is it just really exciting because John hurts at the end, and we see Doctors running past Clara? And I've heard it know. described as Moffat on autopilot. And actually, if you examine the plot of it. Not a lot of that stuff. Who the hell were the Whispermen? What was the Great Intelligence yeah. up to? None of it's explained. It's just basically no. a load of set pieces that leads yeah. up to that amazing cliffhanger. Mm-hmm. It's the sort of thing Terence Dix was bemoaning about Stephen Moffat. He goes, you know what? He'll always provide you with a great moment, but there's not always the plot logic no. that I like. No. You need the plot. Yeah. But I, I often complain about his character work. I, I don't think his character work hits in a sort of like a, a raw emotional way, like Rusty Davis's does. Mm-hmm. I watched Turn Left earlier today and oh. it broke my heart. Yeah. Scene after scene, it broke my heart. Yeah. Well, and, you know, I watched this in the morning and I was a little bit sad. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, um, when I watched The Christmas Invasion a couple of weeks ago, rewatched it, uh, and the scene at the end where he brings down harriet jones it's just like yeah it's it it was 
it drives something into your heart you know you and that's you know that's good writing whereas this and it sounds like i don't enjoy the story i do i do i really like the story but it it's doesn't have the same approach. impact yeah it's, it's a different yeah. approach it's, he and i don't think he's going for emotions in the same sort of way that russell is no. Russell's a brilliant no. heart. He's a horrible man, Russell. I mean, I love him, but he's a horrible writer. Yeah. He breaks your heart continually. Yeah. yeah. He'd love to hear that. He'd be there with his chest out going, Ooh, <laughs> your heart. It's great television, you know. It's, brought, it's been brought up on all those soaps, you know, where they murder everyone mm-hmm. off, do dreadful mm-hmm. things. Yeah. But I feel like, you know, you know, when you watch, in fact, did you watch the coronation um, celebration thing yesterday? You know, the, the big. No, I didn't actually. Oh, well, I have oh. to. My heart's a broadest. <laughs> and there was a conductor there going furious with this enormous band, and he was conducting away like a madman. I feel like Stephen Moffat, you know, he's he's really mm-hmm. trying to get you to feel something. Yeah. Whereas Rusty Davis just uses a little scalpel, you yeah. know, but he cuts you deep. Yeah. Oh. Sorry, that became more about Rusty Davis. Than <laughs> There's always going to be the comparisons, though, isn't there? Yeah, you know. But it, they, but Moffat absolutely has his own strengths. He does strengths. He does. He does. And you know, his first his first two uh, series of Sherlock are absolutely fantastic. Um, the rest of it, I'm not too certain about. But um, he's he's such a strong writer. Well, I think so. series five and series eight. Of Doctor Who, while there's a couple of misses in there, yeah, I'm exceptionally strong. And series ten. Oh, and series, series ten. In the middle of the monks. Really oh, I, I don't know. I don't know. I enjoy it. I enjoy it. Also, oh, this is where this is where he's pulling it all together. I was hanging out with that woman in that Dalek that was trying to make a souffle. <laughs> There's a, he's getting so excited. There's a plot arc going on here. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, UK Gold decided not to broadcast this episode. But it, it, it's kind of nice that he skips out the story with a mystery to solve. Yeah. I'm not sure the and... answer's ever particularly interesting. She sort of jumps into that electric, doesn't she? Yeah. Yeah, she does, yeah. Yeah, there's no... It's not... And I think she does that because the plot needs her to do that in order for it to make sense. Yeah. And can, can you imagine? I mean, because he's kind of, the arc is kind of forgotten about after this series, isn't it? So it's kind of like mm. this big thing about the splinters. Um, imagine each episode with a different Clara. Oh, be... that's enticing, isn't it? Imagine that. It's like imagining each story with a different chameleon. Yeah. Someone else playing chameleon. You know? Yeah. You could yeah. really test Jenna Coleman then as well, couldn't you? Yeah, you could have done. I mean, you know, part of the, the salvage team in Journey to the Centre of the TARDIS. You know, <laughs> you each... know what they'll say, though? They'll say, oh, God, it's become the Catherine Tate show with a different sketch each week, you know? Yeah, yeah. Somebody would be complaining. Wow. Wow, so that's it? Oh, hang on. Yo, look, now, look at this, right? Look how enticing they make Series 7B look. Mm-hmm. Talk about false fucking advertising. <laughs> Going up the gherkin uh, on a submarine, aliens. Oh man, it's incredible. <laughs> Willow off good. I just saw Willow. The Whispermen, Diana Rigg, Whispermen, Rachel Sterling. Oh wow. Man. 
this is going to be the best series of Doctor Who ever. And this was the 50th anniversary series as well, wasn't it? Really, this part. No. Yeah. It's not. Mm. But do you know, I do think, uh, and Fraser Gregory will come at me for this, they really knew how to advertise the next series back in the day. I don't think Chip has quite had it. <laughs> Oi. You're back. It's okay. Oh, hello. We lost each other for a second. Yeah. Just a second. <laughs> I, was, I was just saying um, that uh, Moffat absolutely knew how to advertise his upcoming seasons. I'm not sure Chip has had that to the same no. degree. No, and I think, you know... I, it, it... I think it's it, it's it's quite telling as well. I think, uh, and he could have done it. He could have he could have really gone for it. Um, and some of those trailers that we, that we got in the RTD era and we get in the Moffat era just makes it look like the most exciting thing in the world. Um, but we never we never really got that from from. There was a really good one for Flux, but we waited an age for it to drop. When it did hit, I remember mm. it was full of yeah, you know, swarm azure. Damn, yeah. it had every, all those fabulous visual elements in it but yeah like, they dropped this at the end of the last season that's how they did it back then you know yeah during the yeah. specials you know hold on to your hat because this is what's coming yeah yeah and we kind of we kind of needed that i think um to to ramp up the the excitement for each jody series starring um, art malik didn't quite have the same effect you know <laughs> no because and uh, you know and this is maybe 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 my reaction to that is because I didn't I, I I don't watch a lot of TV I watch what I like and but I don't watch a lot of TV so a lot of those people at the in that trailer at the end of uh, the woman who fell to earth I didn't know who they, no, were. they were and I was like oh oh there was a know. couple I was like oh Alan Cumming that's quite exciting yeah 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 Alan Cumming and that was about but, you know back in the day <laughs> They were like coming next year, Sarah J. Smith, the yeah. Cybermen, you know. And yeah. we were literally jizzing in our knickers watching those <laughs> Starring somebody who was in Holby City. It doesn't have the same. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Yeah. But then, you know, we didn't really have a. They also, you know, I know we're talking about Jody now instead of. Uh instead of the snowman but we didn't really have a a big finale to lead to either um in that series nothing to kind of build towards and get excited about um you know it was there was nothing to tease that year wasn't it, it was yeah really, i think I, I i think some of those things are strengths now in hindsight back mm. then we were all like what the hell is this yeah yeah it was very it was it was very strange at the time um and i think also you know to go to to go from such high action and, and fast paced stuff that we were getting with the Moffat era to then to then drop to something a little bit more slower um yeah. was a was, was jarring. Yeah. yeah. And again, and I keep I will keep saying it, I'm a big fan of the Chibnall era. So well yeah. to go from like think of like a <clears throat> romanticized historical story like um Victory of the Daleks mm. to Rosa. Mm -hmm. I mean they're like chalk and cheese. Aren't they? Yeah. They are. How mm -hmm. can they be in the same show? <laughs> but that's the beauty of Doctor Who, isn't it? That's, oh, it. that's the beauty of Doctor Who. Well, what about the beauty of the snowmen? Is you know what we've got to do? Well, 
Well, I didn't know we have some questions on Twitter as well. Oh, of course so, we do. Yeah, we haven't even touched on those questions. Oh, um, too busy rabbiting for an hour. Um, so um, let me just have a look because we've got because uh, Twitter has a tendency to on order everything. So I'm going to see what we can find on here. Um, so I put this out to the uh, to the Twitter family, the Ham Fam. Um, and uh, Dave Rennie uh, says, how magical is the TARDIS being in the clouds? I think it's a beautiful image. And we touched on that as well, haven't we? Um, it's, uh, it's magical. Um, That's Dave Rennie from the Kettle Farm, isn't it? It is, yeah. 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 It's Dave from the Kettle. Um... <laughs> that sounds like a hey, I'm Dave from the Kettle. All right. <laughs> We love you, Dave. Good old Dave. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, again, um, Dave. Dave was commenting on something we said earlier. Uh, he, he, how he, he loves the Victorian Clara, but uh, he despises modern Clara. She was the version we should have had. So I think we've covered that. Despise is quite a strong word. I found her a bit annoying. Yeah, I, w- I wouldn't have said I despised her. She's. Um, he must yeah. have a lot of trouble for the next two seasons. Eh? <laughs> <laughs> No, two and a half seasons. Two and a half seasons, oh, yeah. Hey, that must have been agonising for you. <laughs> um, and then we've got um, a gentleman called Josh U.R. Um, Who's that? I don't recognise that name. Nice fellow. I was chatting chatting to him today, actually. Uh, oh. Nice guy. Um, Is there a picture of him? Is he handsome? Uh, he's got a beard. He's oh uh, handsome. <laughs> Hello, Josh U.R. Josh, you are. Know where my um, DMs are, right? <laughs> so he's put his second favourite Christmas special after Christmas Carol. I loved it. Very good use of the era, the arc. Great nod back to 60s Who with the Troughton era. Um, and he mm. says he was getting into collecting DVDs ahead of the 60th anniversary. The Paternoster gang were always a delight. Um, we have Daniel Knight. I just say, um, Josh, you are. You, Josh, a you are. Incisive and intelligent comment. Mm-hmm. Apart from saying about a Christmas Carol, which is appalling. Oh, I love a Christmas. Carol. <laughs> no, everyone does. Everyone loves they it. Love it. Me. I love it. I it's... Why? Did I ever tell you why I don't like it? No. I think the the premise of the Doctor fundamentally fucking with somebody's life just to save his friends is so perverse. <laughs> you can throw as much beauty at the screen as you like, but the premise is fundamentally flawed. Anyway. Sorry. He, yeah, I kind of see what you're what you're saying there. Yeah. Um, oh, sorry. I don't want to ruin it for you. I mean, he does make him a better person. It's a Christmas story after all. But I'll take my DVD. That's not how he was. Anyway, sorry. <laughs> um, then we've got Daniel Knight. Oh, he's um, very handsome. Very handsome. <laughs> well, handsome Daniel Knight. Um, miles better than the previous year's Christmas special. Well, we know which one that was. Yeah, so um, the the bar was set low. Um, uh, Did miss a trick bringing back the Yeti as opposed to these abominable snowmen? Uh, Oh, sorry, did they they miss a trick not bringing back the Yeti as opposed to the abominable snowmen, these abominable snowmen? His answer would be yes, but given the redesign of the Zygons, perhaps it was for the best. Um, you remember that sequence where Rusty Davis knocks on not Rusty Davis, sorry, Richard E. Grant knocks on the door. <laughs> Rusty Davis would have been amazing. <laughs> Hello, marvelous Simon Agent of the Good Intelligence. No, um, 
with Richard E. Grant, who goes meta, and they open the door, and then the two the snowmen sort of rise up behind him, Mm. and they're far scarier than he ever could be. So, (laughs) I think the snowmen are great. I I think the snowmen are great. I I don't know how how they would have worked the Yeti into it. Um, I yeah, I don't quite. I don't know if that would have worked to be honest. Um, Although I, I would be. I didn't mind the the redesign of the Zygons. Um, I, I still feel, think they're better in Terror, the Zygons. Um, but I didn't mind the redesign. And I would love to see a redesigned Yeti, actually. Mm. It's a shame they didn't have the decent marketing at this point, because we could have seen those snowmen. Mm-hmm. You know, they could be all over Christmas, couldn't they? Yeah. They could Evil be, yeah. snowmen with scary teeth. Oh. I didn't see anything like that at that point. I think No. If 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 it had been done a few years before, you could have seen yeah the marketing team putting out fake snowmen around various cities. Oh, amazing! Yeah, unfortunately at this point, Doctor Who froobs were a thing of the past. <laughs> <laughs> uh, then we've got Psyheart. Uh, um, is this the best version of Clara? Um, isn't the business of Strax and the Memory Worm funny? Um, and why? <laughs> Why do why do all of Richard E. Grant's performances in Doctor Who feel like he's phoning it in? So <laughs> he is. I think um, I think we 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 answered quite the Clara question more or less, haven't we? Yeah. Um, Without and, a doubt, the best Grant. version. Do it. Do do we find the do we find the business with the worm funny? Um, uh, it was alright. I, I didn't laugh that kinda, much. No, it's just kind of a bit of slapstick funny, really, isn't it? It's not uh, as funny as that bit where he throws the paper at Clara in deep breath. <laughs> that, is <laughs> that is hilarious, yeah. Mm. Um, Joe Short put uh, Joe, uh, uh, that is all. I met oh. Ian McKellen once. If that's if that is any of interest, as I can't think of anything to say about the episode. You know, Jim, I don't think Joe Short likes this episode very much. No, no, I was. Uh, I think that was one of the first replies I got on here as well. I was like thinking, mm. God, are we going to be uh, reading reading comments and people don't like it? Um, mm. So then we have the next uh, the next five questions are from Fraser Gregory. Uh, um, five bloody hell, Fraser! I've got to go fucking bed tonight. All right, <laughs> let's blitz through them. Um, go for th- it. Does this make a worthy prequel to the Abominable Snowmen, or is the inclusion of the not so great intelligence just a pleasing bit of fan wank? A prequel, I didn't really feel it, feel it was a prequel to Abominable Snowmen, but I think mm. I think it's fun to have. It's a Christmas special. It's yeah, it's a, it, it's a Christmas special. Um, is it fan wank? I don't know because it's not. It's relying on something from the past, but it's not. It's not heavily relying on something from the past. It's a, it can easily be part of the story. It doesn't. You don't need to have watched the Abom- Abominable Snowman uh, or the Web of Fear to understand like, what's going on. I, I, I say I the think... Doctor Falls and uh, well enough of time. It's fan wank. It's two masters, side men of many iterations and things like that. Mm-hmm. They had the Doctor Power, the Doctor. Yeah. No, I don't think this is fan wank. No, and I think even the Doctor doesn't quite remember who the great intelligence is. I think there's a line in there that he's forgotten. Um, so no, no. Um, he's also put on a scale of prehistoric delight to get bombed by the brig. How pretentious do you find Madame Vastra? Did he say get bombed by the brig? <laughs> get bombed by oh, the brig. you got to be careful with his questions. <laughs> um, how annoying is she, did he say? Uh, how pretentious do you find Madame Vastra? 
less so than I used to. I, 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 there's a lot more there than I ever thought at the time. I like her. I like her. Yeah. I think she's she's a pretty solid character. Um, I think it's a near impossible role to play, and she does it yeah. with some dignity. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then we've got uh, see Fraser again. <laughs> Snog marry Chuck from the top of a magic cloud. We've got Simeon. Oh, Latimer, and Strax. Is Latimer the fella from Silent Witness? The 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 the, the father of the kids. Oh, what as hell? I'll do more than snog him. Uh, so obviously snog him. Uh, I'll marry Strax because I think that'll be quite fun mm -hmm. and avoid Richard E. Grant like the plague. <laughs> so you chuck Richard E. Grant from the uh, from the top of the cloud. Then do you ever remember so... when he got that role in Star Wars and he put that tweet out that video? Where he was giggling like a little kid. He was so yeah. excited to be in Star Wars. Yeah. And then he gave this performance in Star Wars. I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> it's baffling. Port him across from from uh franchise to franchise. Mm. Uh, do what do 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 I need to answer this question as well? Oh no, go on. <laughs> no, the snob Marion Fraser's oh, question. Oops. Okay. Yeah. Uh, well, if I was that way inclined, um, Snog Latimer. Of course. <laughs> Marry Strax because, you know, he's gonna he's gonna do what you need him to do, isn't he? So and uh, yeah, throw Simeon from the top of a cloud. You'll feel forever uh, young because he'll be calling you boy all the time. <laughs> boy. Um Fraser again, where would you rank this story in terms of TARDIS interior reveals? Oh high. Very high. Close to the bells of St. John. Yeah, uh, I do have a massive soft spot for the one in Rose as well. Yes, yes, yeah. Just because we've never seen it done that way before. No. With her running around the outside and then the pullback. Yeah. This time we pull in. Yeah, oh, yeah. Stops talking like this. Sorry. <laughs> um, who pines best for his lost, lost love, the 10th or the 11th Doctor? It's got to be the 10th, hasn't it? He pines the longest. Yeah, Pines Pines best. The best. I'd say the eleventh because he just gets it over and done with pretty quickly. Oh yeah, of course, yeah, yeah. I, I misread that question there. Yeah, yeah, eleventh. Yeah, it's fine by the end of this story. So no, it's, got, it's got it's got to go on. <laughs> Jesus Christ! Imagine if post Clara, um, Capaldi had a whole season of treating Bill like shit. It'd just be interminable. Yeah. Oh my god. Yeah. Um. So Stephen Alexander says, um, was it actually worth getting a Sir Ian McKellen voiceover? Aside from publicity, why bring back the great intelligence, but not the Yeti? Um, I think we kind of touched on, Sir, uh, on Ian McKellen um, at the start of it, didn't we? Um, if that's all he was available for, then, yeah, if you got a chance of doing it, yeah, we'd, I think we'd all prefer to see him doing a more, playing in a more substantial role. Um, but if he can, if we can only get him for a voiceover, why not? I, I think, mean, I think in terms of publicity, yeah. Then you know, if he's going to bring in people watching, great idea. Um, but the probably the biggest insult I can throw at this casting is oh, I forget he's in it, and it's mm -hmm. Sir Ian McKellen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's he's kind of buried. He's buried into it, in in it, mm. isn't he? Um, this is uh, more of a comment from Joe Llewellyn. Llewellyn. Oh yeah. Um, Love this one, but I'm an 11 stan, so of course 
this was the last Doctor Who episode I watched in Afghanistan before going home about two weeks later. I get why some people wow. rate this Clara, Clara higher than modern Clara. Maybe I do too. Love the staircase. And you've got Richard E. Grant with an exclamation mark. I don't know if that means he loves him. Or, uh, yeah. Um, He's coming on hands so soon, you know. Oh, is he? Oh, oh wow. Yeah. I can't oh, wow. wait. Wow. Um, and then we've got uh, just three more left. Uh, we've got Daniel Rawnsley. Mm-hmm. Um, why does Smith and Coleman, mostly Coleman, seem to carry off the whole Victorian thing so well? Also, however your mileage may vary on each of the Paternoster gang funnier or uh, better used here or in the Crimson Horror. Not just asking because I like the Crimson Horror. Um, I think the Crimson Horror feels like a backdoor pilot for the first time. It does. Half, and it's their best showing. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so I would say the Crimson Horror. I think, but they're still very good in this. Oh yeah, yeah. I don't think they. I don't think they. They ever put in a bad performance. To be fair, in the stories that they're in, the no. stories they, they suit the stories that they're in, and it just works with them. I think uh, the question there, uh, Daniel, should be: Why do Smith and Coleman pull off the Victoriana so well, and the modern day so <laughs> terribly? Um, <laughs> Yeah, I don't know, but for one joyous episode, they're amazing together. Yeah. Uh, then we've got Paul Quinn. Um, oh, just a, I think this is just a this is just a comment. Uh, there are some interesting ideas and striking images, but it never coheres. Another example of season seven marking time um, until we just put Angels Take Manhattan, but that was before this. So, uh, and then name of the Doctor. This should be an important story, but it isn't. I don't know. I think I think it is an important story. Do you know who Paul Quinn is? No. He is responsible for this entire Hanster malarkey. Really? Because aged four years old, Paul Quinn <laughs> was he lived two doors down from me and he invited me over and started reading me excerpts from this book called The Doctor Who Program Guide. Oh, wow. And over the course of a decade, got me utterly hooked on this show by showing me VHSs, by playing Doctor Who out in his garden. Wow. He is uh, he is responsible for me liking Doctor Who in the first place. Um, so I owe him an enormous debt, even if I do not agree with his comment. <laughs> wow. Mm. That's crazy. Oh, well, his mother was fabulous, you know. Yeah. We lost her last year. It's so sad. Aww. Her name was Bridie. They're an Irish family, and I couldn't pronounce her name. I used to always want to go around there, one, and eat their sweets, and two, play Doctor Who in the garden. So <laughs> I'd be there knocking on the door, because I couldn't say Bridie. I used to call her Friday. I'd be going, Friday, let me in, Friday. <laughs> I just remember this vivid image of me, age sort of five years old, banging on her back gate. Aww. There you oh, go, Sci Heart. There's a tale of youth. All right. <laughs> And then we've got our last last one, um, and it's uh, it's a comment. It's a stay o double r. There's a name you're not going to. But his 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 Twitter his Twitter uh, name is Andrew Store Five. So yeah. Um, so he's, he says my least favorite eleven outfit. It's not bad. It's just I prefer the tweed and others more. Oh, I, I like this outfit. Yeah, I do too. I, I like but it. But we appreciate outfit. your comment all the same. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so, yeah, that's it for the questions and the, the comments. That was a nice range of comments from, you know, the good, the bad and the ugly. Yeah. 
or rather, you know, sort of praiseworthy and some complaints. Yeah. <laughs> so. Well, we still have one more thing to do. We do. Who's going first? Uh, you can go first, Joe. Oh, thank you very much. Well, I suppose I'm on your podcast, although sometimes <laughs> I to be just as loud as usual. <laughs> um, okay, my number one is um, Christmas specials and Stephen Moffat go together mm-hmm. beautifully. I think he he understands what he's got to do with Christmas special. He knows how to turn it, Christmas, into a story and an atmosphere. Um, and nine times out of ten, he gets it right as well. Mm-hmm. I mean, he can... He can push it. He can push his luck a little bit, mm-hmm. you know, Mother Earth at the end of Doctor Widow in the wardrobe. Yeah. But if I was going to watch a story Christmas week, I wouldn't be putting on Voyage of the Damned. I'd be putting on Last Christmas. Yeah. Or The Husbands of River Song mm-hmm. or this one. So, yeah. yeah. Moffat and Christmas specials. Brilliant. Uh, I'm going to go with... Um... The Eleventh Doctor and Clara, uh, because this is the best that they are um, for their short run together. Um, you know, we've 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 touched on it loads of times about Victorian Clara, um, but the, also this this kind of broodier Doctor, um, this kind of darker, uh, grumpier Doctor um, works really well with Clara um, and. Uh, I just wish we'd have seen a little bit more of more of that. Yeah, me too. Mm-hmm. More Beryl, less Clark. Beryl, yeah, Black Beryl. <laughs> uh, my second thing will be, uh, I think the cinematography in this episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, as far as I'm aware, and I had someone on here recently that works in television production, there was a budget cut during the Moffat era. I don't think you can tell at all. I think it feels more expensive than ever at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's just some really beautiful imagery in this. All the stuff up in the clouds, yeah. um, the sort of snowy landscapes, the wonderful shots of like the the snowflakes with the yeah. national teeth, the teeth coming down. I think like that. the imagery is really striking. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, I'm going to go with. Uh... The new TARDIS design. Damn it, that was going to be one. <laughs> um, I think after the mess that is the the series five and six and seven A TARDIS, um, I think it needed something fresher, and this uh, is it's nice. It suits that kind of um, more depressed Doctor. Um, it's very stripped back, um, and it's very clean, and uh, I think it's uh, I think it's an absolutely beautiful design, which only gets built upon as Capaldi comes in, and it gets it gets better and better. I think it's wonderful. My is it my second. Is it my second, yeah, is the pattern Oscar. Paternoster gang, that's a mouthful, isn't it? Um, I think uh, RCD was better at surrounding the Doctor with vivid characters, and you know, you never forget Jackie and and no. people like that, you know. Um, but this was a valiant attempt 
to sort of cash in on that idea of having some semi-regulars, even though they didn't last too long. Mm-hmm. Um, that doesn't always work. I think it can be a bit, the dialogue can be a bit much sometimes. You've got mm-hmm. three good actors there. They've all got chemistry. They work well with Matt Smith and with Peter Capaldi. Mm-hmm. And they're really fun. So, yeah, yeah that's my second thing. Fantastic. Uh, I think I will have to go with uh, the music um, for this episode um it's very it's very christmasy um but it's very it feels uh like a score for a film um i've said it earlier on i think this is you know at this point um murray gold had really hit his stride um he wasn't writing such bombastic music now he wasn't telling you how to how to feel he was he was gauging Engaging the scene and what was going on in it, and he was creating really nice music, uh, memorable music um, that accompanied accompanied the episode without being overbearing. And my last one, oh, I can't believe I'm going to say this, but I feel dirty. It's the Clara arc of <laughs> Series Seven, which I hits its peak in this episode mm-hmm. um do you know what he knows how to he knows how to hook you in with mm. a really good, solid idea okay who the hell is river song yeah we want to know yeah. what's the answer boring but <laughs> the hook was really good you know and uh what's going on with why are there all these splinters of clara fascinating idea you know really interesting what's the answer boring yeah <laughs> <laughs> but it, but at this point it was like this we've never seen anything like this before no. this is crazy imaginative way of bringing in a companion um you know the downside of it is is you've had all these versions of clara and it, the danger is has there been ones better than the one we eventually settle on mm-hmm. yes there is yeah <laughs> <laughs> um but as an idea it is really interesting and mm-hmm. at this point it's working yeah um, and at I, any point after this it continues to work but it, at this point it works really well and i think i think uh often often with moffat that's uh, it seems to be the journey that's more entertaining than the final destination i think with uh, with a lot of his arcs um which is a little bit sad really but uh but yeah i agree with you it's exciting. It hooks you in straight away. Mm. Well, I don't think we could have done that in much more justice, you know. No, I've enjoyed that. I think for an hour-long episode, we've talked for nearly two. Have we? Wow. <laughs> <laughs> um, now, look, I was about to say where we're going next, but I know where we're going next because something you and I have talked about before I never touched upon. It is an episode that deals with mental health. It is an episode that deals with fingers that fly off someone's hand and <laughs> he turns up in people's bedrooms in the most ghoulish way he does and it's an episode which delivers good subplots for all of jody's reg- regulars mm-hmm. as if you're still up for it of course oh yeah absolutely i've been looking forward to doing a jody episode for a long long time and the and name I- of the episode is can you hear me Oh, I can hear you all right. Ooh, I'm really yeah. underrated, I think, that episode. It is. It's really un- underrated. Um, and it's got it it's it poses a lot of questions as well. Um, you know. Uh 
which we'll get to when we talk about the story. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, it's uh, yeah, it's one I've been looking forward to doing, and uh, yeah. What do uh, the snowmen and can you hear me have in common? Uh, I don't think you're going to find anything. <laughs> uh, there's a bit of blue light in the TARDIS <laughs> in both episodes. It's purely personal to me as well. This is why okay. you never were going to guess this. Um, I think they're both really good episodes with one issue, mm. one problem. And I think uh, this is Richard E. Grant, and that is, well, to be confirmed. Mm. Uh, excuse okay. me, I'm guessing on your podcast here, so you need to thank me for coming on. Okay. <laughs> well, um, thank you very much for coming on tonight joe and uh i hope you enjoyed uh watching the snowmen that's been an absolute Maybe. delight honestly i've Lovely done so that. few of these things it's finally nice for yeah. somebody to invite me on to their podcast will, will you will you be coming back oh of course will you tell me where and when <laughs> jim it's always a pleasure to talk with you <laughs> well we will uh we will discuss off mic and let's do it now <laughs> <laughs> yeah. i'll do that occasionally don't i so sod bed <laughs> <laughs> but no um yeah thank you very much joe anytime anytime brilliant i'll cut it there <laughs>